You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Cats. Every once in a while, someone creates something totally new. Something that breaks the rules, redefines a genre. And in 1940, that thing was All-Star Number 3, a comic book. Uh, Okay, so this is one of the first times that characters were just kind of doing their own episodic adventures connected, uh, which is a big deal because it's become a mainstay of uh, a lot of comics. In uh, Marvel, you've got the Avengers. In DC, you've got the Justice League. Kyle Leone has loved comic books since he was a kid. He's somewhat of an expert now. He told me that All-Star Number 3 was written in the golden age of comics, a time in which so much of what people love about comic books was first being defined. Themes of morality, superheroes, serialized storytelling. Who are the characters? Like, what's the story? You've got The Flash, obviously, very popular on the CW. Uh, The Spectre, um, Doctor Fate, Hawkman, Sandman, uh, Green Lantern. All-Star number three broke the rules in a good way. It took popular characters who had only existed in their own storylines and imagined a world in which they interacted with each other, in which they fought together for justice. Nowadays, that seems totally common. For example, the Justice League or the Avengers. But All-Star number three was the first to do this, and it blew readers' minds. I have to imagine if people were plugged in at the time, they would have been, like, elated to see that these characters were all meeting for the first time and were working together. The characters are interacting with each other and, assumedly, will, you know, carry the memory of this interaction with them as they go back to their own stories. But there's something else about All-Star Number 3 that makes it special, even to someone who doesn't care about comic books. It's worth a lot of money. There are only 110 copies in the world that we know of. And 10 years ago, one of those copies sold at auction in a private collection. And it was around this time that all-star number three was at the center of not one, but two crimes. In a tale that even the best comic book writers couldn't make up. A lot of the white-collar criminals that I'm aware of, they'll buy nice houses, they'll buy jewelry, they'll buy furniture, they'll buy nice cars, they'll take nice trips. That wasn't, that wasn't his thing. His thing was the comic books. That was a good investment. A stolen investment, but a good investment nonetheless. From Cast Media, this is The Opportunist. This is All-Star Number 3, Comic Conned. A story told in one episode. I'm Hannah Smith. Subscribe to Cast Plus to listen ad-free with bonus episodes at castmedia.com slash cast plus. Follow, rate, and review The Opportunist on Apple Podcasts. You can also listen ad-free on Amazon Music.
spread the word. The JCPenney Friends and Family Sale is back. And this week, we're passing the savings on to you. Use your extra 30% off coupon to prep your home and style your family for Easter. That's extra savings on top of our great low prices. Plus, share your coupon with everyone you know and love. It's always better when we save together. JCPenney, make everybody count. Offer valid 311 through 317. Exclusions apply. See store or jcp.com for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. In 2007, things were not going well for Anthony Chiafalo. Chiafalo was an attorney in New York going through a messy and expensive divorce. He filed for bankruptcy three times, and the New York State Bar was investigating him for filing erroneous lawsuits against anyone involved in his divorce. Chiafalo has been described as gruff, hot-headed, even abusive. Although he certainly had grand plans for himself. At one point, he actually ran for office in the Bronx. He lost. Despite his ambition, he never saw any real success. Chiafalo decided he needed a new start. He rekindled an old romance with a woman named Susan, and they moved to Houston, Texas. He figured that Houston was sort of a a land of opportunity. For the first time in his career, he actually found a pretty good, high-paying job. This is Kent Schaefer, a lawyer in Houston. Kent said that Anthony Chiafalo got a job at Tadano Corporation, a Japanese company that builds large-scale construction cranes. Tadano is a global company with profits in the billions. Chiafalo was hired as lead counsel in the Houston office. It's a worldwide company, but the Houston office is relatively small. And so he's their in-house counsel. He doesn't actually represent Tadano in court. It's his job to find outside counsel and employ them to handle a lawsuit. Companies like Tadano expect a certain amount of lawsuits. Accidents happen. A crane operator might back into someone's car or someone might get injured on the job. And Chiafalo handled those lawsuits by hiring local law firms. His salary was around $110,000 a year, better than he had done in New York. And he was finally getting the career recognition that he'd always wanted. Things were good. He married Susan in 2010, and they bought a home in Spring, Texas, a suburb of Houston. It almost seemed like Anthony Chiafalo had left the chaos of his New York life behind him for good. But as time went on, he realized that he had free reign at Tadano's Houston office. His bosses were all the way across the world in Japan, which meant no one was really paying attention to what Anthony Chiafalo was doing. He tells Sedona, wow, we just got sued by person A, so I'm hiring the firm of Smith & Jones to represent us. And he keeps giving status reports that Smith & Jones doing a great job. We, we're paying him about thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000 a month. He says, look, we're being sued for a million dollars, but 
uh, they said we could settle it for seven hundred thousand, and they do. The only thing is, Smith and Jones doesn't really exist. It's a law firm he made up, made up stationary with letterhead, got a post office box, even internet ads. So if you look on the internet, it looks like they're real, but they're not. So he went to great lengths to create these false law firms. While Tadano believed they were being sued for a million dollars, but settling for seven hundred thousand, essentially saving money, in reality, all of it was made up. The lawsuit was fictitious. And that $700,000 settlement, it was going into Chiafalo's pocket. He had figured out a way to make a lot more money than his yearly salary. I think just being there and seeing the way things work and seeing that nobody's looking over his shoulder or grading his paper, and he's like, hmm, you know, this might be a good opportunity to pull off a little fraud. Chiafalo went to great lengths to deceive Tadano. For every new fictitious law firm, he created fake websites and invoices with unique letterhead. And it worked. Nobody at Tadano seemed to notice. He got away with it. So he did it again. And again. And suddenly, Chiafalo had a lot of money coming in. You know, he had all this excess money building up, I mean, to the point where he had millions and millions of dollars, but then what do you do with it? You know, if he goes and fills out, you know, loan applications because he wants to buy a seven, eight, nine million dollar house, then he's going to have to produce tax returns and it's inconsistent with his bank balances. So he's looking for ways to get rid of that money. And that's where comic books came in. Comic books may sound a little random. But actually, buying high-value comic books is a pretty strong investment. Rare comics will usually appreciate in value, kind of like a painting by a famous artist. They're sort of like currency, you know? You you buy them today for $1,000, and you just stick them away somewhere, and in five years, you can sell it for $1,500, or whatever people are willing to pay. So it's, it's sort of a currency you can carry with you, and nobody would even stop to think that it has any value, but it does. Rare comics are also a great way to spend a lot of cash. In other words, they're a good way to launder money. So Chiafalo started buying more and more comics, along with vast amounts of sports memorabilia, to clean the millions of dollars he was stealing from Tadano. In February of 2012, a copy of All-Star Number 3 appeared at an auction house called Heritage Auctions in Dallas, Texas. Since there are only 110 known copies of All-Star Number 3 in the world, it was a big deal. This is a clip from a video showcasing a copy of All-Star Number 3. What makes this book incredibly important is the first superhero team ever, the Justice Society. I can't stress enough For any serious Golden Age collector that wants that kind of holy grail piece in their collection, this is it. It was part of a private collection that was being auctioned off. And this auction was promoted as the biggest comic auction of all time in terms of value, at least up to that point. In total, the collection was worth over $3 million, with individual issues starting at tens of thousands of dollars, Anthony Chiafalo, like most comic book collectors at the time, was paying attention to that auction. He was interested in All-Star Number 3. It actually sold to someone else at the auction, 
But a couple days later, Chiafalo purchased it from that buyer for way over the final bidding price. Apparently, this kind of thing happens all the time. Here's Barry Sandoval from Heritage Auctions. Just looking at it in our archives, you can see that that comic sold at auction for something like $50,000 and then was resold a week later for 200000 This kind of thing happens fairly frequently, uh, perhaps not with the numbers being that high, but it will happen that somebody will win something in auction and then will get uh, an offer after that for uh, significantly more than they paid. Heritage Auctions actually facilitated that sale, and Chiafalo successfully laundered $200,000 with the purchase of All-Star Number 3. In the spring of 2012, Chiafalo's stealing escalated. He stole more and more money with his fake lawsuits. He ended up stealing about $9 million in just over one year. $9 million that he then had to try to hide. Laundering all that money became like a second job to him. He could barely keep up with it. He was constantly on eBay, frantically buying comic books and sports memorabilia to try to cover his trail of cash. He also bought expensive paintings, photographs, and sculptures. In March of 2012, executives at Tadano started to take notice of the accruing legal costs at the Houston branch. They were significantly higher than any other Tadano branch in the U.S. And when they first asked Chiafalo about it, he provided them invoices for everything. It looked like a legitimate paper trail of all that outsourced legal work. But $9 million in legal fees in just one year? It was just too big of a red flag. Two months later, Tadano sent a representative to Houston to investigate the situation. They get him in a conference room, start asking questions, and at first he, he's lying to them, and they obviously aren't believing it, and at some point he gets up and leaves, refuses to answer any more questions. When that happens, he literally takes off overnight, literally disappears. Anthony Chiafalo was caught red-handed, so he fled, totally disappearing from his life, Not even his wife, Susan, knew where he went. Immediately, both Tadano and the Harris County DA's office opened investigations. Harris County is the county for Houston and the surrounding area. Tadano learned that Chiafalo had actually used a fake resume to get the job since he'd been suspended from practicing law back in New York. Chiafalo couldn't stop stealing from Tadano, even when it became an overwhelming amount of money to hide and launder. It seems like, in theory, he could have done the scam and made a little extra money, but just not $9 million that he can't even get rid of, maybe scaled it back a little bit, right? Like, it's just so bizarre that he went so over the top. He couldn't stop himself. If Chiafalo had stolen half a million dollars a year, maybe even a million a year, nobody would have noticed. And he would still be there today and they'd be giving him bonus because he was doing such a great job that they want to reward him. But he just couldn't control himself. The DA's office conducted search warrants for Chiafalo's home and several storage units in his name. We ended up going into his house, and we ended up going to the storage facility that, ha- uh, that housed like, I want to say, eight or nine storage rooms. This is Brian Vaslavic, a private investigator hired by Tadano. 
but he's also worked on and off for the Harris County DA's office for 30 years. And he was there when the search warrants were carried out. You wouldn't believe the amount of stuff that the guy bought. There was a life-size figurine or a figure of Superman sitting in his house. I mean, it was his upstairs of his home looked like the Hall of Fame, Cooperstown. He had a robe from Muhammad Ali that he had purchased. He had um, some of the parquet floor from the Boston Celtics. I mean, it was just, you name it, he probably had it. Brian followed Chiafalo's trail of fraudulent invoices. He also subpoenaed Chiafalo's bank records. Kent Schaefer was appointed as special prosecutor in the Chiafalo case. He interviewed Chiafalo's wife, Susan. At first, Kent was suspicious that Susan might be an accomplice, but it quickly became apparent that Susan had been conned as well. She was very heartbroken. You know, she, uh, I mean, she thought she had met a very successful lawyer who was whining and dining her, uh, buying, you know, her dream home. And then she found out it was all a lie. Susan thought that she was married to a high-powered lawyer with a salary in the millions, someone who also happened to be passionate about his comic collection. She believed that all the you know, purchases were legitimate. She talked about how he would spend hours and hours every night on eBay and on the Internet purchasing stuff, so much junk that he was just acquiring and not even bothering to open the boxes when they came. You know, It was like it became a compulsion. And she said, you know, I mean, this guy was just sort of obsessed with with acquiring things that he really didn't want. But she thought he was so rich that if it's his money, he's working for it. If that's what he wants to do, that's up to him. Anthony Chiafalo had stolen an incredible amount of money in a short amount of time. And now he was nowhere to be found. The next step for the investigators was the arduous process of sorting through the mountains of evidence, items that he had purchased with stolen money, including thousands and thousands of comic books. Subscribe to Cast Plus to listen ad-free with bonus episodes at castmedia.com slash castplus. You can follow, rate, and review The Opportunist on Apple Podcasts. It really does make a difference. So thank you. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. The Harris County DA's office confiscated everything of value in Anthony Chiafalo's house, and began doing inventory on the comic books in his storage units. 
The comic books were important evidence and were seen as potential restitution for Tadano. Logging all this evidence was a huge undertaking. Chiaflo had around seven or eight storage rooms filled with sports memorabilia and boxes and boxes of comic books. Investigators had to be meticulous. Every comic had to be cataloged by title and issue number. It was a big undertaking because asset forfeiture uh, of the DA's office was there. I bet you there was 25, 30 people there for a week cataloging and uh, inventorying everything and having it all moved. The man in charge of the inventory was a veteran DA investigator named Dustin Deutsch. Dustin Deutsch was uh, put in charge of this investigation, and he had uh, made arrangements with storage unit folks and gotten locks changed and, and locks put on the storage units in which he was the only one that had the key. Dustin Deutsch was 39 years old. He had been in law enforcement for 12 years. He looked like, well, a cop. Like if you were gonna draw a cop for a comic book, you'd draw this guy. Stocky frame, buzz cut hair. Deutsch taught forensic classes at a local community college and even had a side business performing arson investigations. And he was the one who supervised cataloging all of those comic books. He kept the evidence locked up when it wasn't being cataloged because there was so much of it and it was so valuable. And then one day, Brian Vaslavic, the PI working for Tadano, was at the Harris County DA's office and he ran into some of the investigators who were in the process of logging Chiaflo's comic books as evidence. At the end of the day of the search warrants, we met back at the Harris County District Attorney's Office. And Deutsch had a, a dolly full of uh, comic books. We have a conversation, and as I'm looking through these comic books, I tell the people that were there that, hey, if you broke these seals and you got into these comic books and just had the comic book, they would be like bearer bonds, meaning whoever had the bearer bond was the owner. The rare comics were encased in hard plastic shells with identifying information about the comics listed on the outside. Brian told the investigators that without the plastic casings, these valuable comics would essentially be untraceable. Hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of comic books were just sitting there. It took a full week to inventory all the evidence taken from Chiafalo's house and storage units. In June of 2012, investigators wrapped up the inventory and attorneys prepared for the case against Anthony Chiafalo. A few months later, in August of 2012, a comic convention was held in Chicago. It took place over the course of four days. Corey Fryer here, right here in the Donald E. Stevens Convention Center. It is day one of Wizard World Chicago Comic Con. Things haven't even started yet. We're about an hour away from show. Comic conventions are massive productions, bringing in everyone from amateur enthusiasts to experienced collectors. There are people in costumes of all ages. There are celebrity guest appearances. William Shatner showed up to this one, along with big announcements about new comics and sneak peeks of unreleased movies. And, of course, there's always people looking to buy comic books. Here's Kyle Leone again. I've, I've seen before a wagon, like a Red Flyer wagon, uh, with boxes that I'm certain were filled with comic books because they can get really heavy. 
that's really common is bringing comic books to either get signed, appraised, or even just outright sell right there. On the third day of the 2012 Chicago Comic Con, a man named Lonnie Blevins casually walked through the dealer section of the convention center, looking slightly out of place. He carried a large box. Soon after Blevins started meandering through the convention, rumors were circulating that some rare comics were making their way to the dealer booths. There's a buzz in this convention as Blevins is going down the aisles with his collection of books. This is Joe Beatty, who came to know a lot about this man, Lonnie Blevins. Joe said dealers at this convention were on the hunt for rare comics, not only to collect, but to potentially sell. And Blevins definitely had some rare gems. He had a comic called All Winners Number 1, and even more exciting, a copy of All Star Number 3. When Blevins comes in with this collection, which is probably worth a couple hundred thousand dollars, the dealers are going to hear about that quickly, and they're going to want to try and buy this collection cheaply from him. There were three dealers at the convention who decided to go in together and purchase the rare collection. Their only hesitation was that the comics were not in plastic cases. A plastic case means that a comic has been officially graded, which is like an appraisal. And it was certainly strange to see a copy of All-Star Number 3 without a plastic case. But Lonnie Blevins acted as though he didn't understand what he had, which wasn't necessarily weird. People do sometimes discover old comics in the basement or inherit a relative's collection and then decide to sell it, not realizing its value. Of course, there's also the chance that a rare comic book without a plastic casing could be stolen property. But Blevins told them not to worry. He was a cop. When Blevins sold the comic books, he actually gave a copy of his ID to one of the dealers, his driver's license. And he had purportedly told at least one of them that he was a police officer. He seemed to be telling the truth, that he was just a guy who stumbled upon this comic collection. He got lucky. He didn't even seem to really understand the value of what he was holding. And the dealers, they were eager to purchase these rare comics. The individual dealers, because it was you know, it was a big collection and it was worth a lot of money. They decided, three of them, to pool their money together and buy the comic books. And I think the offer and what he accepted was $70,000. These individuals knew that they were getting an exceptionally good buy. And that's why they jumped at the chance to buy them. $70,000 for both All Winners Number 1 and All Star Number 3 was a steal. Everyone walked away happy. The dealers got their rare comic book issues, and Lonnie Blevins got his money. He asked for the $70,000 in nine separate checks, plus $30,000 of it in cash. The reason for all the different checks, he said, was that he was going through a divorce, and he needed to shield the money from his soon-to-be ex-wife. So the dealers complied, and Lonnie Blevins went on his way. After the comic convention, the three dealers immediately took the comic collection to be professionally graded, 
put into those plastic cases so that they could turn around and sell them at a higher price. But they didn't get very far into the process when they realized their deal of the century was too good to be true. These dealers bought these comic books thinking that they were ungraded in a personal collection, and then they immediately brought them over to be graded. They found out that these comic books were the exact same comic books that had been graded previously and sold. This was bad news. If the comics had been graded before, it meant they were not some rare family collection found in a basement. They were possibly dealing with stolen property. But it was one specific comic that verified this to the dealers. All-Star number three. One of the dealers actually recognized this exact copy of All-Star number three because of a blemish on one of the pages. These comic books are almost unique to the extent like a fingerprint. There's a blemish on a certain page, and he remembers it because he is familiar with this comic book. And he remembers that there was a similar comic book with a similar stain that was sold on this auction a few months before. And so he accessed the auction's website and then eventually spoke to someone from the auction house and determined that it was the same book. That specific copy of All-Star Number 3 had been professionally graded and had been sold at one time through Heritage Auctions. Well, Heritage Auctions keeps meticulous records of all of the comics that are graded, including digital scans of the comic books. It's almost like provenance for an expensive work of art. There's a record of it. Here's Barry Sandoval again, the Heritage Auctions guy. Since the start, we've had a searchable archive of all of our prior sales where you can, I mean, you can zoom in, you know, really tight on any comic we've ever sold. So all the high-res images are up. And so that, that alone, you know, makes it harder on any thieves because, uh, you know, it's, you can easily point to, hey, this, uh, this comic with these distinctive defects, you know, here it is. It matches the one on this, on this scan. The last owner of this comic on record was Anthony Chiafalo. But Chiafalo's comics were supposed to be tucked away under Harris County DA supervision. The dealers didn't just purchase stolen comics. It was stolen evidence. Once they learned the truth about All-Star Number 3, they contacted authorities, including the FBI. Investigator Brian Vaslavic was still working on the Chiafalo investigation. And then one day, he was notified that he needed to go question a man about some comic books that were linked back to the Chiafalo case. We need to go out to uh, Dickinson, Texas and meet with this guy named Lonnie. I'm like, okay. I said, why? So I said, okay, send me the information you have on it. So he sends me Lonnie Blevins' name. And I looked at the name and I'm like, man, that name looks familiar. That name just, I don't know about that name. Brian had heard this name before, but he couldn't remember where exactly. Something made me call the district attorney's office and ask, is there a guy named Lonnie Blevins working there? He goes, yeah. I'm like, okay, I got to call you back. Suddenly, Brian remembered exactly who Lonnie Blevins was. Blevins was Dustin Deutsch's partner. Dustin Deutsch was the guy in charge of the Chiafalo evidence. The pieces were coming together. After Brian hung up at the DA's office, he beelined it to his partner. 
I drive over to his office, tell him what I found out, and he hands me a driver's license photo of Lonnie Blevins, and I go, yes, that's Lonnie Blevins, the, the investigator at the Harris County District Attorney's Office. He goes, well, he just sold several comic books to a, a vendor in this comic con that were part of the items that Chiafalo had purchased with the stolen funds. And I'm like, oh boy, here we go. We've got some problem at the district attorney's office. Lonnie Blevins had been assigned to the Chiafalo case, and he was working with Officer Deutsch to catalog the evidence, specifically the storage rooms full of comic books that Anthony Chiafalo had purchased with the stolen money. Blevins and Deutsch were well-known criminal investigators in the Harris County District Attorney's Office that they were uh, kind of like partners and they were extremely close and had worked together for several years for a couple different agencies. Blevins and Deutsch, of course, were described as, you know, two peas in a pod. You never saw one without the other right there. A few nights into the Chiaflo investigation, there was a power outage at the storage facility the one that held all of the comic books. Security cameras were down. Most of the storage unit staff went home, as did the DA investigators, but not Dustin Deutsch and Lonnie Blevins. They stayed behind. It turns out they acted as a team, and they made a fateful decision together. They had stayed late on on at least one or more occasions where they were the only ones there, and that that was likely when the comic books were stolen. Blevins and Deutsch were at the facility by themselves. So that's when we believe they took the comic books that they wanted to take. Conveniently, Deutsch never logged some of the super rare high value comics, including Chiafalo's copy of All Star Number Three. They didn't include these comic books. They were supposed to, and what ordinary procedure would be is. You would photograph everything that was in those storage units. So they they never took the pictures of the comic books. Dustin Deutsch and Lonnie Blevins thought they had it all figured out. They believed that if they took a comic book out of its plastic casing, that it would be untraceable. So they thought all they had to do was just not include the comic books in the evidence log. And who would ever know? After all, the only person who knew the full extent of that comic collection at that point was Anthony Chiafalo, and he was missing. I mean, this is when you, like, when you talk about the opportunist, I mean, this is, this is a golden opportunity for this kind of crime to happen because you've got a, a lack of oversight of these two guys while they were doing the inventory. It wasn't done the way it should have been done. And it was easily, you know, transportable. And if you take it, the only person who could say you stole it is a guy that's been charged with a $9 million fraud. So who are you going to believe? Blevins made the journey from Houston all the way to Chicago, crossing state lines to then sell the comics. He split the spoils, the $70,000, with Dustin Deutsch. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, 
just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. This particular comic book, All-Star Number 3, had been on a journey. The dealers who purchased All-Star Number 3 immediately took it to be graded, but because there was a digital copy of this comic book at Heritage Auctions, it was discovered that this comic belonged to Anthony Chiafalo. When the dealers realized this, they told authorities the name of the man who had sold it to them, Lonnie Blevins. He hadn't even used a fake name. When they talked to uh, the authorities, they said, here's a copy of his license, and he said he's a police officer, and then the call was made to Texas, and it didn't take a great deal of whodunit type investigation to figure out how Blevins wound up in Chicago with comic books. Brian and his partner were convinced that two investigators working for the DA's office had stolen evidence and sold it for cash. They had to tread carefully. Going after DA investigators was obviously a delicate matter. So Brian approached Dustin Deutsch casually to ask him some questions. We just talked to him like we would normally talk to him on full well what was going to come down the pipe. So everybody was kind of walking on eggshells. So when you went to go talk to Deutsch and you had this conversation, what did you say? What was that conversation like? Just talking to him about, you know, what, what other stuff they found, where was everything at, um, you know, does he think he missed anything? Not, I mean, not, kind of prying, but not to a point where he would catch on what I was asking. It was kind of a cat and mouse kind of game. On top of everything, Anthony Chiafalo was still missing. Investigators wondered, were Deutsch and Blevins involved with Chiafalo? Luckily for investigators, they got a break. In December of 2012, six months after he went missing, Anthony Chiaflo showed back up. He walked into the police headquarters in Newport, Rhode Island, carrying a bunch of cash, $95,000 in a suitcase, and an additional $55,000 in a bag. He was arrested and sent back to Texas to face charges of embezzlement and fraud. By this point, word was out about Deutsch and Blevins there was an active investigation into the two officers. And then, in the first week of February 2013, Lonnie Blevins was arrested. Joe Beatty was tasked with prosecuting him. Blevins was essentially caught red-handed when he sold the comic books at Comic-Con in Chicago. And he essentially, you know, gave a statement and cooperated. Blevins testified that even though he physically sold the comics, it was his partner and longtime friend, Dustin Deutsch, who orchestrated the theft 
and convinced Blevins to join him. Deutsch denied it. Blevins did admit it, Deutsch did not, and so the deal was he would plead guilty, and then he agreed to cooperate in the state case against Deutsch, and then Blevins testified against him at state court. The case against Deutsch was harder to prove since he didn't physically steal the comics. But eventually, in 2014, he was charged and arrested. Lonnie Blevins' testimony against him sealed his fate. Had Deutsch and Blevins done their research, they would have realized that once the comics were in a plastic case, they were traceable. But the chance for a big payout got the better of them. On the Mount Rushmore of, you know, genius crooks, I wouldn't put Lonnie Blevins and Dustin Deutsch up there. And you would think that, you know, if you were going to commit a crime and you'd been a cop for a long time, you might have had a better plan, but they didn't. It was low-hanging fruit. They were giving the ability to commit the crime, and it was an easy crime to commit. We say this all the time, greed is what gets you in this line of work, and the greed is what got them because they were in such a hurry to get those comic books sold and get the money that they got caught. Thanks to his testimony against his partner, Deutsch, Lonnie Blevins avoided prison time and received probation. He now works in the oil industry. Dustin Deutsch was not so lucky. After appealing his case, he was found guilty and sentenced to five years. He was released in 2019. From what we know, Deutsch and Blevins are no longer friends. But what about Anthony Chiafalo, the crooked New York attorney who stole $9 million from Tadano in one year? Investigators had recovered between six and seven million of that stolen money through searching bank accounts, warehouses, and his home. There was still two to three million missing. Chiafalo faced a 40-year prison sentence. Kent offered him a plea deal. He would lessen that 40-year sentence if Chiafalo agreed to a debrief. I said, look, if your guy will come in, meet with my investigators, debrief for them, I'll be willing to knock a substantial part of that sentence off. And he agreed to do it. Uh, His lawyer called up and said, yep, he's willing to do it. He'll come in and, and answer their questions. But agreeing to the plea deal, that would mean Chiafalo would have to tell investigators all the details of his crimes. He would have to disclose where he went during that six months he was on the run including if he still had any of that missing two to three million dollars stashed away somewhere. The day that we were supposed to meet with him, he canceled and said, I'll do 40 years. And so, you know, I told his lawyer, I said, look, this guy can knock off 40% of his sentence with a two hour interview. And she goes, I told him that he's not interested. He'd rather just take the 40 and go. So that's what we did. We offered him 40 years. He took it. He kept his mouth shut. And I'm sure wherever he is today, he's living off that money that he didn't want to have to tell us about. Right, because there were a few million dollars missing, and there was good reason to believe that he was potentially hiding it or had stashed it somewhere while he was on the run. And if he agreed to come in and do a debrief, he would have had to disclose that information to you. Right. And, and, you know, I mean, I'm sure what went through his head is I could do 30 years 
which means he would have served probably three. And when I get out, I'm broke. Or I could do an extra year, and when I get out, I've got a few million dollars. Well, okay, fine, I'll just stay in prison. Chiafalo kept his mouth shut. He never specified where the rest of the money was. In the criminal justice system, 40 years is a lot for a nonviolent white-collar crime. But in reality, the way sentencing works, Chiafalo would only actually serve five years. He was released in 2019. Chiafalo was disbarred in 2014. He is currently working as a translator in New York. As far as we know, Deutsch and Blevins never worked with Chiafalo. Their theft of the comic books was completely separate. All-Star Number 3 and the rest of the comic books that Lonnie Blevins sold in Chicago were returned to the DA's office and included as restitution for Tadano. As for the dealers who purchased the stolen comics at the Chicago Comic Con, they were eventually paid back. Tadano held on to All-Star Number 3 until 2019, when they sold it for $60,000. Sometimes, life imitates art. It reminds me of something that Kyle, the comic book expert, told me. There's definitely a theme of moralism. Even Batman, his introduction, it was very much like, you know, taking the bad guys down uh, at any cost because they are bad and I am good and there is good and evil in the world. Um, It isn't until like the 80s that people started to explore the idea of an anti-hero and the grayness of what being, you know, a all-powerful super god that everyone inherently loves uh, starts to fall apart. If this were a comic book, Anthony Chiafla would be the obvious supervillain with a blatant disregard for the law and an unquenchable thirst to steal. Dustin Deutsch and Lonnie Blevins, on the other hand, they would be more nuanced villains. Presumed good guys turned bad guys, corrupted by their own greed. But in the end, the law comes for them too. And justice, for the most part, prevails. The Opportunist is a cast original podcast. It's produced by me, Anna Smith, along with Paisha Eaton, Natalie Gregory, Kate Mays, and Sarah Dalgleish. Colin Thompson is our executive producer. Anton Doty is our editor. The show is mixed and mastered by Matt Sewell. Episodic cover art is by Arvin Lee. The Opportunist show cover art is by Joel Hassmeyer. Our theme song is Waltz for Zachariah from the album Chalate. You can find our merch at theopportunistpodcast.com. Do you have a suggestion for the show, an opportunist you want to hear us cover? Email us at theopportunist at castmedia.com, cast with a K. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to Cast Plus to listen ad-free with bonus episodes at castmedia.com slash castplus. Follow, rate, and review The Opportunist on Apple Podcasts. You can also listen ad-free on Amazon Music. 
spread the word. The JCPenney Friends and Family Sale is back. And this week, we're passing the savings on to you. Use your extra 30% off coupon to prep your home and style your family for Easter. That's extra savings on top of our great low prices. Plus, share your coupon with everyone you know and love. It's always better when we save together. JCPenney, make everybody count. Offer valid 311 through 317. Exclusion supply. See store or jcp.com for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.